Can you shut up? <laughs> I'm so sorry. He said no. What? <laughs> that sounded like no. <laughs> And I'm Clarice Lockery. And this is the Next Supremes, an American Horror Story rewatch podcast. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Today's episode, Room 33, was written by John J. Gray. Basically, a man who's mostly done American Horror Story. No shade, but that is the truth. And was directed by Lonnie Peristair. So, it's been a while since we've talked about or watched Hotel. Because we were recapping the the spin-off series, American Horror Stories. How did it feel going back to the main show and to Hotel specifically? Um... I'm Gaga. Because <laughs> it opens with her. Yes. And I was like, oh, Gaga. Because <laughs> in between, it's interesting that like in between the time in between House of Gucci mm. came out and we've both seen House of Gucci and been obsessed with her in it. Um, and so it was quite interesting watching this episode thinking about her performance as Patrizia in, in that movie and about like because i i wrote in my review of house of gucci the thing i love most about gaga as a performer mm-hmm. is that she has she has such a consciousness of her own stardom oh yes um and she imbues like like everything everything that she does it's always like a moment mm-hmm. <laughs> and so watching this episode i was looking for all the little things that she does if there's a, when she's meeting Tristan and Liz and, and Tristan first opens the door and she's on the bed with the cigarette, like, <laughs> like it's such a perfect posture while, you know, a lot of other actors just would have been like, oh, okay, this is my entrance into the scene. You know, Gaga mm. goes, no, this is my moment that is going into the scene. <laughs> yeah, like the scene is secondary and and I agree with you on House of Gucci as well. And like I wrote about her her partic- her kind of movie star element too. And the fact that even in that film, mm. uh, but I think that film is very much a continuation of her role in a hotel, much more so than A Star is Born. Where it's like everything yeah. is it's not camp i don't think it's it's kind of going into camp territory at all because she's so earnest and intensely committed to being the center of attention but not in a kind of scene chewing scene chewing kind of way which you know like jared leto is for instance in that film but she is so obsessed with being everything in that, in every scene, with being not just the the moment or the center of attention, 
she she has this like very intense need almost to please but also everything that she does really knows that she is lady gaga that you're watching lady gaga but you're watching lady gaga kind of strip herself bare a little bit in ways that she doesn't in her performances as a musician i mean I guess if you look at the history of acting, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know the the trend now is is sort of unconsciousness. Mm-hmm. Like we really praise actors. I mean, about Jared. I mean, Jared Leto is kind of doing the opposite, but um, mm-hmm. you know, we we do tend to praise actors when it they feel really natural mm-hmm. in the scene and everything's like we we really hyper focus on very minute details that are deliberately played off as if they're nothing and gaga's kind of she's doing the opposite of that she's you know i think like hearkening back to a different style of acting (laughs) because that those that mannerism those mannerisms and the kind of the um using acting to create symbolism i guess Mm -hmm. you you often do see that more in you know, like a Marlena Dietrich <laughs> or a, a Rita Hayworth, you know, the way that they, if you look at the way that they position their bodies in certain scenes, like everything, they were less interested in realism and unconsciousness and more of like, what can I do with my body and my face? And like, how can I express a certain meaning that way? And it's all very conscious, I would mm-hmm. say. Um I mean, yeah. <laughs> and I think kind of going going back to The Countess, and this is an interesting episode for her, I think, because we get to see, I mean, we know she's a monster, we know she's a vampire, we know she's a murderess, but here we both see her vulnerability and at the same time the extent to which she needs to be loved and the the way that she perceives love as control and domination of her underlings, of the people, the vampires that she creates, her lovers, however you want to call them, her paramours. And and we see that kind of I, I want to get to the to the Tristan and Liz Taylor storyline later, but we see it mainly through the revelation that she, as a vampire, had a child and Bartholomew and that's who's held in room 33 and that is kind of the nugget of vulnerability that she has what did you make of of well of the cold open that <laughs> brings back favorite charles montgomery our favorite abortionist and and kind of reveals the fact that she had this this baby as a vampire yeah um yeah i do like when she opens the cart and she's like very pregnant. And she goes, three weeks. <laughs> um which yeah, it's interesting. I don't know how vampire babies work. Um <laughs> but <laughs> uh like, do all do all vampire babies are they all like that? Or I guess I guess the idea being that not only is he an unnatural um creature because he's born of um of a of a of a dead person of a dead woman basically but also because he's born from one form of evil and another form of evil who's like James March does that make sense right cuz is he the dad yeah do we 
Okay. Yeah. Um, what's so interesting about the Countess is that is that that the way that she switches so quickly from like, like, like absolute like tenderness and like such absolute emotional generosity and like she she can show such kindness towards people and she's so loves her her vampire baby, um, <laughs> but she will then so quickly switch to, um, yeah, like sociopathy like monstrosity mm-hmm. and and yeah and it's interesting that it is though she has these this weakness it mm. is like i think love to her and affection to her are things that she can't resist because maybe it's a part of who she was in her earlier non-vampire life mm-hmm. um but I think she does recognize that as a weakness, and that's why Bartholomew is like very hidden away <laughs> in room thirty-three. I don't think it is because, I mean, he is like <laughs> a little tiny monster who likes to eat people. Um, he does have a very cool gothic grip. Think, I don't think that's the reason that she's hidden him away. I think, you know, he'd be chilling around the hotel, like out on the front desk, like, "What's up?" <laughs> Oh, oh yeah, tiny demon. How are you? <laughs> I, I think I he's in a way because, yeah, because he's her vulnerability. Fears, she fears, yeah, yeah, and she fears her love for him. And and Bartholomew is kind of the the way to get revenge at the Countess. Uh, kind of his release or him being released out into the world, despite being a little baby monster, he's still kind of tiny, so he's still kind of vulnerable. He is released by Ramona and Donovan, who have joined forces, go back to the hotel, and they want to fuck shit up for the Countess because they are so jealous, <laughs> basically. And, you know, <laughs> who wouldn't be? But, yeah, they they essentially, like, that's their way to get back at her, to to put in danger the one thing that she perhaps truly cares about. Yeah, which, look, is it fair? <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's American Horror Story. To, Nothing's fair. To quote Patrizia, <laughs> they don't consider themselves to be particularly ethical people. <laughs> but they are fair. <laughs> I feel like that line, I know it's a different cultural property, mm-hmm. but I think that line from How to Gucci explains about 90% of people's actions in American Horror Story, that it isn't ethical, <laughs> you shouldn't just, well, I guess because Ramona went to kill the baby, she had a, a knife, Yeah, but that little baby moves fast. <laughs> I'd like to know. I'm kind of curious about um, when, obviously when, the whole thing. Yeah, we never see his legs. Well, yeah, is is that you know he's meant to be very hidden, and we don't really know like, oh, why is he a monster? And then they do show him at the end of the episode, and it's like, oh, he's just got very tiny eyes. He's <laughs> 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 got very small eyes, <laughs> but he kind of looked like a baby outside of that. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what's inside the blanket. Like I'd love it if it's like a little scorpion body. Because like, <laughs> that's like the sound effect of when he was moving made me think. That he's like 
<laughs> he's like uh he oh, made yeah. me think of that um the disem- like the disembodied heads of um of the martians and mars attacks who just scurry around oh wait is that wait is oh, that the yes. simpsons <laughs> is that the simpsons or futurama with wow. <laughs> a big alien I'm- heads with the with the little uh, with the little squid-like yeah. legs. Is that like Men in Black? <laughs> Maybe it's all of them. Maybe all of them. I was thinking in Toy Story. Well, you know where Sid's toys, there's that one oh, that's just yes. like a baby head on sp- That's why I think both of you is. Um, but yeah, I guess he got he got away. <laughs> um, I don't even remember what we were talking about. <laughs> Demon Baby. Demon vampire baby. Demon baby. Demon but baby. there's not much else really to say about Ramona and Donovan, is there? Because they're just obsessed. They're just doing stupid shit to get try to get back at the Countess. Um, I want to move on to the main, the main emotional storyline of the episode, which is behind the Countess's back, Tristan and Liz Taylor have fallen in in love. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's, so beautiful. it's so beautifully shot <laughs> i just love them it really it really pains me just how actually like well performed and naturalistic this this storyline is it's like in American, it's, yeah. in American Horror Story, people often are like coupled up or paired together, or we're told that they're obsessed with each other or in love with each other, but we rarely see it. And here we see it and we feel it, and I don't like it. <laughs> like, I have such. I was just saying before we were recording that, you know, mm. this is the way I watched both the old and new versions of West Side Story. I'm such a sucker for like a tragic romance. <laughs> like for you know, for bitter mm. romance, these two people can't be together, it has to be secret. Like that's my favorite kind of love story because I just cry a lot. Mm. Um and so I am like absolute putty in the hands of this storyline. <laughs> why do you why do you think it works so well? Why do you think kind of Tristan and Liz genuinely falling in love is so it's so fucking cute and beautiful and effortless in this episode because it's two people who they both see each other the way that they really want to be seen Mm. um because you know liz she's always struggled with like you know accepting her gender identity Mm -hmm. and uh i guess because like tristan's kind of you know, because he is is sort of so sort of blasé about ev- everything. He doesn't really—he is a himbo, so he doesn't really mm-hmm. think about anything. So, like, it never really occurs to to him to not. You know, like mm-hmm. it. That's what's quite sweet about him. He's like, why would anyone have a problem with that? That's so weird. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and then on the reverse side. Like Liz, through gifting those books and saying like you're really gonna love Oscar Wilde, mm-hmm. um, it's like for Tristan, yeah, he's had like a lot of sex, very desirable. Everyone desires him, but like no one really treats him as a human being. 
with thoughts and emotions. And I know I just called him a himbo, <laughs> but it was for the purposes of the argument. Mm. But he does have, but he does have depth um, beyond that, and and it's like so validating for him to to have somebody see that side of it. So it's like just. You know, it's yeah, it's two people seeing each other for the way they want to be seen, but in an environment where nobody else is seeing them for that, and that's like the most that is uh, that is love. I guess that mm. is what love is. <laughs> it's it. I think you've you've really really hit the nail on the head there because I think especially for Tristan, he he says this thing which is so sweet. It's like people people want to see him because he's. He's good looking and like he's straight on on his looks for his entire life. That's the thing that kind of gets him attention. But nobody's really genuinely glad to see him. They're only glad to see, watch him. They don't really want him to speak. Mm. They don't really want him to have a, a a personality or they don't really give a shit what he wants. Immediately after that beautiful scene with Liz, the Countess calls him up like, can you please suck this dick for me so I can fuck Chi and uh, you know what I mean? She texts him the words come up, but it's come because she wants him to come up. Correct. <laughs> she is a wordsmith. That one. I that, like as much as I love the countess with that whenever that text pops up, I'm like, oh god. <laughs> really cringe <laughs> that is uh, yeah that is not a disco move countess that is that's just yeah, plain old tacky. I bet she uses like emojis when she's trying to sex sexed people oh she's 100% the, like the purple demon face emoji <laughs> oh. <laughs> that is her go to emoji guaranteed oh, I bet she does the cry laughing emoji <laughs> I really love the fact that that emoji has become the most hated one of all. It makes me physically sick when I see it. <laughs> I apologize. If anyone listening uses it, um, I'm sure you're nice and great, but it's like the emoji of soulless, terrible people. <laughs> but I'm sure you, person who's listening, is the exception. I'm sorry. Uh... <laughs> okay, Clarice. <laughs> Sorry, it's just like, you just, you know, the cry laughing emoji always comes after somebody said something like insanely racist. <laughs> and they're like, cry laughing emoji. <laughs> like, I wish you were dead. Cry laughing emoji. <laughs> like, that's. <laughs> Come on, that's like 90% of the time, the context of where you see that emoji. I feel like my hatred is justified. Oh lordy, yes, but yes, basically when Tristan comes up to like fluff up um so when Tristan comes up to fluff up Will Drake, he's like, I don't wanna, I don't wanna, I don't wanna do this. And she's just she really does not give a shit. Like about I'm not about she doesn't give a shit about anyone except Bartholomew, but also especially about Tristan. Like, you are here to do my bidding. Do it. I don't care. If you're into it, I don't care about your orientation. I don't care whether I'm forcing you to do something. You'll fucking do whatever I say. And right now I just say, blow Will Drake. It's like the plot of Moulin Rouge. <laughs> <laughs> like that's, his, that's his like Roxanne moment. <laughs> yes. And oh. what... 
What do you make, though, about the way that that storyline develops? Because Liz obviously is so, in a way, kind of, you know, genuinely loves and is grateful to the Countess and and tells her what is happening and kind of essentially asks for Christians, asks, now I'm calling him Christian because of Moulin Rouge, <laughs> ask, asks for Tristan's hand so that they can be together because the Countess doesn't really give a shit about him. And then it's it's one of the most devastating scenes. Well, there's t- the whole scene is devastating. The thing is, like the whole way through the episode, Liz keeps saying she'll understand. Mm-hmm. She will understand because she knows what love is. She will recognize that because mm-hmm. because I think the Countess loves. You know, it's a different kind of love, but I think the Countess loves. Liz Taylor. Mm-hmm. I think Liz Taylor loves Countess. Um, but I feel like as the viewer watching, you're like, I don't know about that. <laughs> um, and, oh, God. It, like, I, I get upset just talking about it. <laughs> because it's the way that the Countess at first, you know, well, so Liz first says, like, I, I am in love with Tristan. Mm-hmm. And the look on her face, and she says, interesting. <laughs> oh, my God. The silences, the delivery, the one word deliveries. Oh, fuck. My, like, I watched this very late at night yesterday, and I was like, oh, God, I'm getting chills. And yeah, you're like, oh my god, oh no, oh no. But because Liz Taylor is, is so in love with Tristan that she doesn't see it. She doesn't see the mm-hmm. red flags mm-hmm. like painted all over Lady Gaga's face in that scene. Um and and she she's so manipulative that she really convinces Liz Taylor that everything's fine mm. up until the very moment that, you know, she says you can have him. She turns around and kills him. Oh. <laughs> and it's like oh. And she kills him as well. So like she sl- she slits his neck open so he dies in Liz Taylor's arms and it's like <laughs> I'm I'm gonna give you to him, but for you to bury him. To bury him. Oh, <laughs> See, la- I can't even say anything intelligent about it because I'm. That scene is so upsetting to me. It's like you, like your one taste, like your the way that Liz Taylor frames it. It's like this is my one chance at true love. Like, please, please, just let him go. <laughs> we both want this so much, and it's like okay, you can have it, but the last image you'll see of the love of your life will be him bleeding all over you what a fucking bitch and i i think it's interesting as well because it's so telling it says a lot about how she sees love mm-hmm. because tristan's absolutely right that love for her is not in the being with somebody it's the moving on Mm-hmm. so i think by saying you can have them it's like yeah but you have to have them like my way Yes. Which is gone, dead. It's like mourning the person. Um, because she likes to be mourned by the lovers that she's dejected. Mm-hmm. But I think she also likes the feeling of like rejecting people. 
Well, this is the thing that Tristan points out, right? That she feeds off the heartbreak, which is a, a very good line. It's like she loves knowing that the people, the lovers that she's discarded and also kind of cursed with the, with being vampires are pining mm. for her. You know, the fact that Donovan and Ramona are like plotting to avenge her in some way is like catnip to her. It's the fact that Tristan just dot, does not care because he loves Liz and not her anymore that's the fi- that's the thing that like drives her over the edge I think to to be so cruel to Liz it's like how how dare you not pine for me I mean like I get it <laughs> <laughs> everybody wants the like to imagine that their exes are like oh the one that got away <laughs> um but not an excuse to kill people <laughs> I mean she is like vampire after all so like she's that's kind of what she's gonna do right yeah but you know it's a quote lady gaga it's not about the glorification of murder it's about the empowerment of women (laughs) (laughs) i am so glad we're recording this in a post house of gucci press tour world i'm sorry this is the rest of the season i'm just gonna be quoting house of gucci (laughs) it's gonna happen it's inevitable I'm going to retroactively say that it was by design. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, before we move on to our award categories, the Gagas, uh, should we, is there anything else about this episode that you wanted to bring up? No, I'm just sad. I'm just very sad. Oh, okay. Let's, let's make you happy. I will say, Mm -hmm. I don't, one thing that made me kind of laugh because of how fucked up it is is um detective john lowe was bentley <laughs> coming down to see his wife and child are now sleeping in glass coffins uh which he's like mm, that's pretty weird <laughs> 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 and alex is like oh <laughs> oh no he saw us sleeping in the glass coffins what do i do so she just decides to gaslight the fuck out of him. <laughs> he, she gets rid of the coffins. So when he goes back down, he's like, where the fuck did he go? And she's like, what glass coffins? Babe, what are you talking about? You sound crazy. And then she sends the Swedish ladies to fuck with him even more. And it's like, this is... Look, I think because it's overshadowed by the more fucked up thing that the Countess did this episode. But... Mm-hmm. um. I think, I feel like gaslighting your husband just to make sure he doesn't find out that you and your son are vampires is quite, it's, um, um, that's unethical. <laughs> also not fair. Thumbs down from Patrizia. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I'm going to judge everyone's actions the rest of the season. It's like, is it ethical? Is it fair? <laughs> I'm okay it's, with that. It's, um, Thumbs down for both. It's two thumbs down. This is a new Siskel and Ebert thumbs down, thumbs up, um, (laughs) like quality control. It's a Patrizia. (laughs) Is it ethical? Is it fair control? Yeah, because I feel like he's probably he look. He's already insane. I think if you told him that you were vampires, he would probably be fine with it. He'd probably turn himself (laughs) into a vampire. He's like, let's have ourselves a vampire family. I'm down with that. Yeah. I'm already. I, a- I don't think that excuses you. Um, he's running around butt naked, covered in blood by the end of the episode. He's a, not having a good time. 
I mean, the fact that he's having a whole nervous breakdown and is still the most boring character in the season, in this season, I'm like, how? This is true, but like, I love Wes Bentley. I want, I want, I want John Lowe to be okay. <laughs> Listen, he looks great running around naked, covered in blood. Let's just say that. But naked. And that's. <laughs> Uh, you gotta love the Hotel Cortez kind of place with somebody who just run around <laughs> and make it covered in blood. <laughs> just yeah. another Tuesday. Yeah, also a place where you can literally walk past some strange man in the hotel and be like, devil face emoji? Yeah, okay. <laughs> devil face emoji. <laughs> <laughs> Crying <Good>. laughing. <laughs> <laughs> so let's move on to our categories. What is your top quote of the episode? Oh, um, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. It's it's something that um, it's something that it's something that Hazel Evers says mm-hmm. <laughs> when she's cleaning up the bloody sheets, <laughs> and she says. Those Nordic types, they have no respect for their linens. It's a well-known fact. Um, because... Oh, wait, oh. Wait, there's another one as well. Okay. This is a really great episode for... for it's a very quotes. good one. Can I do another one unless it's going to be do yours it, do it. steal yours? Do it, do it, do it. Um, the, when they keep just talking about Fast and Furious Supercharged... <laughs> Home is like you're never gonna see Vin Diesel in 3D. <laughs> what a threat! <laughs> what does Vin Diesel and American Horror Story need to need to work together? I like this entire season feels like it's just literally screaming for Vin Diesel's attention. Yeah, so he comes in and be like, "I know what the problem is. You're not treating yourselves like family." <laughs> <laughs> and all the ghosts are like, oh my god. He's right. Oh, that's so true. Yes, let's work together. Family. <laughs> What's yours? Um, I have too many. I, I actually don't remember. Maybe I don't remember who said this line because I didn't write down who said it. I just wrote you googling Coco when I wrote it down. <laughs> someone someone says, This is my breakdown and I'm gonna have it. And I'm like, and now I'm trying to remember who said it. That was John Lowe. <laughs> Is it when he's covered in blood? Yeah. <laughs> my breakdown. <laughs> I think oh, that was Yeah, that's a great one. I think it's the best thing he's said all season. Um, and I, like, if we're picking two, I, I kind of have to shout out the the whole uh, speech that Gaga gives about emotions being like flavors. Oh. When she says an emotion is like a flavor in my mouth, I'm like, oh. I mean, you're about to do something heinous, but okay, I'm listening. <laughs> okay. I kind of want her to to list off like the full thing. Like, oh yeah, what? Like, what does embarrassment taste like? Exactly. I kept like she kept describing them in such specific details. Like, I want more. <laughs> yeah, um, like embarrassment tastes like McDonald's chicken nuggets that have been left out all night. <laughs> shame feels like leftover kebab that you don't even warm up the next morning I boy, it would 
<laughs> what about the best fit of the episode? The green. I'm, oh my god! Again, yes. she's doing something heinous in it, mm-hmm. but the green turban with a a green like like a kind of like a like a toga. <laughs> yeah, it's like a, it's like a weird tunic thingy. Yeah, one like with one arm out, mm-hmm. the little feather boa thing to go over it. <sighs> <laughs> That's my favorite one as well. Also, it just it's so striking. It's such a beautiful color on her. Yes, I'm not normally a fan of green. Uh, like Michelle, Michelle, mm-hmm. Michelle, like <laughs> not normally a fan of green, like uh, Michelle Visage on Drag mm-hmm. Race. She says that a lot. <laughs> um, but that shade is gorgeous, and it, you're right, it does look gorgeous on her. And what about the Boma Boner Award for horniest moment of the episode? <laughs> hmm. Everyone's very horny. I mean, I don't want to say Liz and Tristan because that's love. That's too pure. Um, so I think I will say probably the, I feel like the Swedish ladies because they're really trying to find their purpose and it seems to be being horny because <laughs> they killed, they killed the guy from Riverdale. <laughs> Reggie, yeah. I'm gonna Reggie. say I'm gonna say Reggie. I know it's not Reggie, but in my mind, it's also like you know, if we're in the the metaverse of Ryan Murphy, then Reggie exists in this metaverse. Um, but I think it's because not only because he literally picks up one of the Swedish ghosts from his door, <laughs> but also because after they finish having sex, and there's like uh, the other ghost apparates into the room. He is like very aggressively starts yelling that he's not gonna he's not gonna have a threesome and he will not he will not be scammed. He just goes into the bathroom like Mr. Wu does not pay for pussy. And <laughs> now I'm going that. to pee. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. Um, what about did you pick up on any cinematic references or insensitive historical Hollywood references? Not really, because I mean, the only, I mean, I don't know if you did, I, the only sort of historical thing we had was the flashback to 1925. Yeah. Um. So I guess like the insensitive historical reference is the history of abortion, uh, because, you know, not, I, I don't think there's any documented cases of people aborting vampire babies <laughs> that mm-hmm. then ate the nurse. Um, but <laughs> other than that not not really i don't know did you pick up no not really it's very um isolated and they don't really they don't really mention anything else there's no like visual callbacks to anything oh wait there is wait what they make a reference to the movie nanny mcphee (laughs) (laughs) shut up did they really because Liz, I wrote this down because it was one of my favorite quotes. I mm-hmm. think it's Liz. Um, I can't even remember who she's saying it to, but it sums. I think there's some sort of blood incident, <laughs> and she says there's a there's like a a mop and a there's a broom and a dustpan in the cupboard, Nanny McPhee. <laughs> <laughs> great, great. 
Uh, very off-brand for American Horror Story. And did you, I mean, you kind of mentioned it already, but what about the insensitive historical reference, in this case, the history of abortion? Yeah, I mean, it, it feels like it's not really referencing any anything in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously there's a very long history of um, doctors doing, you know, backdoor uh, abortion mm-hmm. and um yeah it's just very like yeah <laughs> like a very sad history and i think particularly sad this week with everything that's happening in the u.s um and that there will be more cases of that happening uh because that's what happened when you don't <laughs> give access to abortion people are forced to do it in more unsafe ways um but yeah but yeah it didn't feel like yeah, it didn't there wasn't anything like I was trying to look for for something, but they just kept talking about Fast and Furious Supercharged, but we already discussed that in the first yeah. episode, so I have nothing to expand on that. <laughs> <laughs> um and moving on, what about the killer of the hour? Who's the who's the best murderer in this episode? Hmm. I mean it kinda has to be Gaga, right? Yeah, but I don't want to give it to her. I know. (laughs) Because I'm mad. I'm so mad at her. But you're right. No, it is her. She's the reluctant... I hate it, but she is. Yeah. Because it was kind of (laughs) cool. She does it so like... Yeah. What about... Bad. Bad. Bad Bad Gaga. Gaga. Patrizia would not approve. It is neither You've been ethical a very nor bad, fair. Bad, bad girl, Gaga. That was a quote from um, <laughs> you and Beyonce says that to her in that video. <laughs> what about the Gaga applause moment? Ooh, because it's like the entire episode mm-hmm. feels like the applause moment. Um, I think it's. Just the line delivery of interesting. <laughs> or maybe if I can add to that, the line delivery in that very same moment when she says, maybe when I'm done. Oh. <laughs> Do you imagine? Okay. Imagine her saying that to you. I would die on the spot. <laughs> I would cease to exist. When you made that noise, Clarice, I could see in my brain, you know, the TikTok thing of just like the fuckboy look where it's like you're, you sort of like bite your lower lip and you squint your, you squint your eyes and you're like, mm. well, like Lin Manuel Miranda. <laughs> that is not horrible thinking of. Okay. That's, that's, that would be my reaction if she says that to me. I'd be like, Okay. Mummy? Mummy? <laughs> <laughs> yes, but it would it's like a it's like a scared because <laughs> I'm scared too. Scared and horny. <laughs> That's what she wants. That's what horror the horror storybook. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Yes. Yes. Exactly correct. Um, what about the MVP of the episode? Are we going to have to give it to her? No. Okay. No. Oh, okay. 
No. <laughs> I'm going to give it to Liz because she's gone through a lot and we're here with you. We love you. And we see we you. we're also sad that Tristan is gone because he was very hot. <laughs> he was very hot and he was yours. Yeah. Oh. Okay. I hate it when hot people die. <laughs> <laughs> the American Horror Story sequel. Literally. <laughs> So, what can we expect from the next episode, Clarice? In the next episode, we go to the movies. (laughs) 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 Guys, this, the next episode is the greatest episode of American Horror Story ever. Perhaps all of TV. Um, minus episode 8 of Twin Peaks The Return but like maybe below that is this episode <laughs> American <laughs> Horror Story um, I am uh, I'm just freaking out just thinking about it the but, stakes are uh, extremely yeah. high I think we're going to spend like two hours recording the, the next one so get ready for a super a super sized episode get ready for it mm-hmm. but we will be back next Wednesday with a recap of I hate it when hot people die. American <laughs> History Hotel. <laughs> In the meantime, send us your thoughts on Twitter. Follow us at the Next Supremes Pod. You can also find me on Twitter at Clarice Lou. And I am at Anna B. Dementis. R.I.P. Tristan, we miss you. <laughs> Fucking tear you apart